don't knock <laughs> doing what you do. Somebody, somebody somewhere is going to love what you do. That's Dave Leffel, voiceover casting director, 26-year veteran audio engineer, ADR supervisor for NBC's Chicago Fire and Chicago PD, voiceover demo producer, and has voiced commercials for McDonald's, Sears, Ford, Budweiser, Coca-Cola, and the list goes on. He's currently teaching beginning voiceover classes at the Acting Studio Chicago. And I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash actionpodcast. If you have a question you'd like Dave or any of the other coaches to answer on an upcoming episode, please call 206-424-9368 and leave a message on the podcast voicemail. Hello, uh, my name is Lee Scott. I am an Australian actor who moved here about a month ago and I just, I don't have a question. I just wanted to call and thank you for making this podcast. It has already helped me immensely. I'm currently training at Leslie Kahn, which is amazing. Uh, but I just wanted to thank you so much. Every episode is incredibly insightful and I love it. And before your ego gets too big, I'm going to stop complimenting you uh, and just say thanks. This episode is part two of how to book more voiceover work. I just had a friend about two years ago say to me, hey, you know, uh, all these drug commercials are really huge right now. And all you're hearing is that kind of um, fair balance read uh, that is the drug disclaimer. Like, talk to your doctor if you have diarrhea, vomiting, nausea. And they're kind of soft playing it so you don't hear all this, like the bad essence of all the stuff in there. He's like, I think that's a really big read. He goes, and I think... I think you could do that. I think you should work on that read because you could book that. And I said, really? I never really thought, I never really thought about it. And so I worked on it for about six or eight months, and then uh, this spot came up for Mirbetric, which was bladder control for women. And I said, you know what? It's funny. I've been working on this read. And I did it, and I thought I nailed it, and I did. I got the job. So um, if you're hearing things out there on the radio and TV, and you're like, hey, I never – that's a new read. I never really heard that before. Um, it's not something you just have to jump on the bandwagon to start working, but as soon as you start hearing it more and more, you know, trends happen in voiceover. Voiceover is changing all the time. And as long as you're paying attention and as long as you're listening to what those trends are, you're going to go, hey, you know what? I'm seeing more of these auditions and I'm hearing that read a lot and I'm seeing a lot of stuff for drugs. I and healthcare and Blue Cross Blue Shield and whatever's out there, I think I should spend a little focus time on that um, because those are the jobs to win. I mean, you, you've got to prepare your instrument for what the market is demanding. And, uh, you know, there was a teacher who came through town many, many years ago, and she still comes through town once in a while. A woman uh, named Maurice Tobias has a company in L.A. called Tobias Communications. And Maurice is um, an excellent resource, but she's mainly like a voiceover head doctor. And what she does well is, is make people realize all the other things that they could do um, and that they, they should at least devote some time to uh, get out of their own way, get out of their own head and what they think they do, you know, so wonderfully. Um, there's a whole other world out there that they probably haven't even touched on. And she's a nice, gentle reminder of things like that, that there are trends in voiceover and you have to be att paying attention because before you know it, uh, the young read is back and all the guys are 25 on the radio 
And next thing you know, the retro read is back. And all the guys that are 45 and 50 and play that kitschy retro comedic read, that's back and everywhere. And next thing you know, it's ultra-conversational. And you can hear it all over the radio. And and it just happens in these weird ebbs and flows. Um, because, you know, the writers are mainly 25 years old and just got out of school. Young creative directors looking to write those cool... Uh, <laughs> salad dressing spots, or looking to write those cool beer spots and car spots and everything that we all aspire to really be on. Um, so you've got to you got to pay attention. And then if you can do anything special for those jobs, do it. I mean, I walk away from jobs all the time going, that's not me. That's not me. I don't know why my, my agent even sent it to me. But I also kick myself and say, you know what, your agent sent it to you because they thought you could do it. So why did your agent think you could do it? And maybe you should look at it for another second before you count yourself out. Don't just discount yourself because of what you normally do. At least take a shot. You know, learn something. Take a crack at it. Uh, if you think, like, hey, that wasn't half bad, I'll take another crack at it. I think I can improve on that. You know, do it because somebody believed in you and the agent wanted you to take your shot. Um, so don't kick yourself down and say, oh, it's not me, I can't do it. I mean, it's it's the defeatist attitude that a lot of actors take. You know, before they even have really given it its due time, they're they've already taken their head out of it, and they haven't uh, they haven't given it their all. And I I can't tell you how many auditions I actually have done where I said I nailed that, I know I nailed that, and I got the job. But <laughs> believe it or not, I've had just as many where I said I nailed that, I got the job, and then I didn't get the job. Right. So it, it really doesn't. It, it really, you know, I've had, I've had, you know, as an actor, great feedback. I've had people tell me, "Oh, you were in the top three. You were in the top four. It's fantastic." You know what? It's great feedback, but it didn't get me the job. Have you ever auditioned um, and just thought this is a complete piece of shit? I, I've been in here for an hour and I can't get it, but I'm just going to send my best shot, and then you got it. Um, no, I would never commit an hour to an audition <laughs> if you're not getting it in five reads you're done i mean the actors that, that i work with on a daily basis you know if they're hired for the job they come in read one is okay two is a little better read three they've got all the words in their mouth everything's fine everything's clear then we're going to start kicking them into gear and making them hone in on the message and probably on average by take six or take seven we've got something that we're happy with I mean, anywhere from take seven to take ten, those are the ones we're using. If somebody's in a session and they get up to 25 takes, number one, it's not their fault. Um, it's usually creatives, you know, jerking them around and spending time changing copy and trying things, or the creatives walked in with four alternate versions because their client hasn't decided on the line and. You know, no actor likes reading a bunch of alternate versions. You don't know if they're going to steal your stuff and use it in another version and only pay you for one um, one session and try and get two or three spots out of you just because they wrote it on the page like it was an alternate when it really wasn't. Those are tricks that, you know, producers use. But, um, right. but at least you know it's not you. You know, I mean, they probably were happy with take somewhere 7, 8, 9, 10, and they're just going to work those alternates into it. Um, and yeah, we could get up to 20, 24, 25 takes pretty easily. I've, I've rarely had a session go, you know, much longer than that. But if you're in the booth and, and you're getting up in the 50 takes, it, it probably is the actor at that point. 
And that's very unfortunate because, you know, if you're not being given good direction and you don't know really uh, what to do to make them happy, um, they're feeling it, you're feeling it, and they're just going to get to the point where it's good enough. And nobody wants to walk out of a session like that knowing that those creatives are, are just taking what they got. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't really give them something special. I'm very fortunate that that never happened to me, but I did work on a spot with a, a, a woman once where, you know, we were playing boyfriend and girlfriend, and the whole time she was like, oh, okay, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. We have to be really believable. Let's do this. And then I stood there for almost 50 takes, and I never got one note. She got all of them. She got all of the direction. They never said diddly to me. And I just I felt so horrible for her. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I I'm looking at it going is her is her part really anything different than mine is her part radically because we could have gotten this down 15 takes ago, uh you know just honing in on a couple one liners and doing the pickups and you know even giving her a line reading exactly how they wanted it or something and we could have been done, um but they they just weren't doing it they were hoping and praying like that she would do something like that she would do something miraculous. And every voice actor has to realize that sometimes you're not. And you should just look them in, in the eye and say, can you just give me a line reading? Like, how how are you hearing it? And hopefully somebody in the room can do one. <laughs> hopefully, somebody, hopefully somebody can do one and, and say it well enough that you can use your ear and hear how they do it to get it. And, you know, I, I had a guy do that to me once, and he told me exactly how he wanted it. And I did it exactly how he did it. And everybody in the room said, yeah, that's good. He did it. And it, and he kept saying, no, 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 I want it like this. And he kept doing the read, and every time he did the read, I did it exactly how he did it. And everyone went, yeah, that was perfect. And he kept going, no, it's not. And he was getting super angry, but everybody else was hearing what I was hearing. Yeah. You know, and they're like, well, why don't you just let him do it how he does it? He's like, but he was doing that, and I didn't like the way he did it. And they're like, but the rest of the read, he's doing what he does. So just let him finish it. Let him finish. It's one sentence. Let him say it the way he says it. And ultimately, they had their way. You know, they talked him into just being okay with the way I speak, you know, and and the way I was delivering the line, my natural instincts. Because if you listen to someone and they're doing what their natural instincts are, um, it sounds like them. And it's usually pretty darn close. If you wanted the word emphasized or something different, you know, give it to them. But if you're really having trouble in a session, ask for the line reading. Or mm. if you have an idea, um, the greatest thing is opening the lines of communication, really, because if you're in trouble, you've got to open the lines of communication. So you can say, do you want it like this and read it, or do you want it like this and read it? <laughs> you know, and then and then you're opening the dialogue for them to say more like that one or more like that one, or, oh, no, oh, like this, but go up on this word or something like that. You know, you've got to break you got to break the barrier at that point. You've got to you got to start coming up with choices to give them. Don't just keep doing three in a row and they go nope. Another three nope. You know, start mm-hmm. start getting involved in the conversation so that you know you can make someone happy and they can feel like you're listening to them and that you're mm-hmm. taking the direction. Because if you're just shooting a freaking blank space every time you open your mouth, it's just you know I'll start rolling my eyes as an engineer and I'll. You know, I I will help a talent. Anytime I can help a talent, I will help a talent. I'll turn around and look at them and go, 
uh, you guys, it's really natural the way the talent is saying it. You know, now are you looking for something bigger? Did you, was this like the all important kind of statement or what? And they're like, no, it's not all important. Well, what do you mean they're saying it how they say it really natural? And I'm like, well, he's saying it like this. And in this sentence, he has a, you know, he's always ending down like this. Do you want him to end up on this? Do you want more of a question? What do you want? And they're like, you know, that's what I think is missing. I think, you know, we need a question or two here and there. We need to end on an uptick. And then, you know, you make people start thinking about it. And what they're really honing in on is that everything's the same, which I told you in the very beginning of this conversation is what most talent do. <laughs> you know, they come into that generic read where everything's the same. So once they've established even the read that has the angle of performance that they're doing, there's still something to it that everything sounds the same. So now as a writer, I'm going, hey, perk up that thought. Hey, give that thought an uptick. Hey, uh, this is the big one that comes up on screen when you say it. Make it a little more all-important. Oh, okay. And then we start playing it against picture. That's probably the greatest gift to a talent of all time is to hear the playback. You know, we just talked about being able to hear the playback in your auditions. When you finally get to hear the playback at the studio that you're recording in and you hear the read, you're instantly going, oh, no, no, I, I would have given that a little more uptick. Or, oh, no, no, that needs more energy. I mean, we inherently know our performance and what we do that we'll even hear it, you know, when we finally hear the playback and go, oh, can I do that line again? I know what you wanted now. Oh, that's way too flat. No, I'll give it a little more upbeat kind of perk. And they're like, okay, let's do one. And we do it, and they lay it in, and they go, oh, fantastic. You heard what we were hearing. Wonderful. But until you, you know, you could have gone 15 takes before you finally got the playback of the take that they cobbled together from your, you know, take seven and your insert of take 10 and your tagline of take 15, and they cobble it together, and you go, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Or you're going, ah, crap, I want to take another crack at that one. You know, being part of the process, number one, is really important. But, you know, getting them to talk to you and getting them to give you feedback and getting them to kind of play with you is, is more important than anything. I mean, you're not just there as a higher gun. You're there to, to turn this into something. You're expected to be part of the process, and you're expected to uh, uh, contribute and contribute to it, make it a, make a contribution to it. Don't just think, oh, I'm the voice of the spot. I just talked on this thing. Oh, it was really beautiful. It was great, and it had good music. That's not what it's about. What did you bring to the party? What did you do for it? Do you feel like you put the finishing touches on it? You made it what it is, and that would be a great feeling. Huh, wow, this is all amazing information. Um, so self-admittedly, I I didn't really know and I didn't think on the same lines of like bringing different things for different clients and whatever. And in my auditioning, I was basically just thinking, I'm just going to do what I do the best I can do it right here and then I'm going to send it in. And they probably all sound the same, I mean, or, or similar. I mean, the only things that I generally... I'm changing are like thinking about it as that it needs to sound happier. It needs to sound more lively. It needs to sound quieter, like more close. But beyond that kind of stuff, I'm not really changing too much. So you mentioned earlier, you, you worked on a, um, a technique for the pharmaceutical companies for eight, six or eight months. What are you doing to, to work on a voice? I'm doing a lot of listening. I mean, you know, uh, I still, you know, one of the joys of teaching is that you're in a master class situation where 
not everybody says everything the same way. I mean, we all literally talk differently. We all have different attitudes. We all have different depth to our, our general character. Uh, uh, you know, the people that we are, the person that we are, whether, you know, we're very uh, uh, strong-voiced uh, men or whether we're really uh, demure women or whatever we are, um, there's an essence to us. And how do you play to that essence? So when you said, I just do what I do to the best that I can do it, that that is, number one, first and foremost, the most important thing. I mean, you've got to do what you can do. The things that I'm telling you to focus on are things that you can do and things that are very next level for you to gravitate towards. Everybody starts with what they do incredibly well. You know, this is what I do. And they're very committed to what they do. And, you know, that's important because you are learning who you are and what you do. Um, but when you listen to other people, you have the advantage of listening to other people and you hear how, you know, someone else does it. You're like, oh, wow, I, I didn't even think about playing that toward the softer side. Or, oh, man, with a little attitude, that sounds a lot better. Uh, that guy's that guy's got a lot of attitude. Like that's really cool. I I maybe I could kick it up a notch. Maybe I could put something into it. But am I venturing too far away from the direction? So now I got to go back and look at the direction. Could I do that? I could probably do that. Um, for me, one of the things that I I hear I hear a very you know I, when I see a script it says you know a, a very uh, third person uh, an observer announcer an announcer who's an observer you know very third person read. So we're not talking in the first person as ourselves. We're not doing anything. We're just doing that observe and read. However, I hear things go to the air, and I'm like, wow, that person really sounds like they're speaking in the first person. And there are some people that, even though they're doing a third person, you know, observant announcer, they sound like they're speaking as themselves. They sound like they're in the first person. So that that creative said, oh, I like that person's voice. And I'll I'll do a casting, and I'll send in – you know, three people that I recommend because I thought they were amazing at that third-person observer, and then the voice that they cast is the one that's the most conversational. Hmm. So, you know, it it goes to the heart of people really don't know what they want until they hear it. Um, but some actors, you, you could tell them third-person announcer all day long, and they're not going to speak in the third person or as an observer. They're going to speak as themselves because that's what they do and they're being true to themselves. And that's fine because, you know, don't don't knock <laughs> doing what you do. Somebody somebody somewhere is going to love what you do. Um, so, you know, you just have to do what you can do, and you have to be confident that you did very well what you do. If you're walking away from it going, from it going eh, I did that okay, that's exactly what you did. You did it okay. Mm-hmm. If you're if you are saying that to yourself, that's exactly what was just caught on tape. Mm-hmm. So if you walk away from it going, yeah, I, I just gave that the best that I gave it, then you're in a much better position than going, eh, I don't know. So I I would much rather have actors try their best to walk away from everything thinking they just gave the best that they could. And I, right. I'm, you know, for years I would audition and I'd get, you know, and, and back, back in the day we did go to our agent's office. We didn't have, we didn't have MP3 email. And, uh, you know, I had to go over to the agent to do my auditions. And I would walk 
two blocks away going to get my lunch or something, and I would kick myself because that's when I would realize what the spot was all about. Right. And I, you know, had I been there three minutes earlier or had I read through it four more times, I I would have known what was in there. Had mm. I just spent another minute or two looking at it, I would have known how to deliver the message. And that was probably my, my steepest learning curve was walking away from an audition thinking that I had done a good job and realizing only two blocks away that I totally misinterpreted it. And that, you know, I'm still, I, I would be still doing the, the audition as I walked away. It's unbelievable. You know, you think you did a good job and you're sitting there repeating it in your head and repeating it in your head. And then you go, oh, the emphasis huh. should have been on that. So I, I spent years not feeling good about my auditions, you know. And then finally I started giving myself that extra four minutes and reading through it an extra five times and trying a different energy of voice, trying it a little lower key, trying it a little higher energy, trying it a little slower, trying it a little faster, just trying stuff until I said, nope, that's too slow. Nope, that's too much energy. Oh, the direction, though, they want it. They want it punchy. All right, they want it punchy. You know, what am I going to do? Oh, you're affecting your voice. You sound like a dork. No, don't affect your voice when you sound punchy. Just sound punchy as yourself. And And then you get some exploration time, and you can talk your way through it, and you can feel out what you're doing until you hit on those tones and hit on that delivery and hit on that speed that really works for you, but you're pretty sure works for the rest of the spot. And, you know, there's a learning curve to that because you're going to hear who won it and you're going to hear what goes to air and you're going to hear what they really wanted. And you're going to hear it time and time again until you start giving them what they want. Dave Leffel's beginning voiceover class is Wednesday evenings at the Acting Studio Chicago. His class always sells out, so sign up quickly at actingstudiochicago.com. This episode has been brought to you by Audible.com. I love Audible. I think it's an amazing service. I've been a member for a long time now. So I'm excited to say that for the listeners of the Action Podcast, just go to audibletrial.com slash actionpodcast to download a free audiobook. And again, I highly recommend Notes to an Actor by Ron Morosco. If you have a question you'd like Dave or any of the other coaches to answer on an upcoming episode, please call 206-424-9368 and leave a message on the podcast voicemail. I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.